Friends, let me start this morning with a question. Right now, what is happening to your faith? In the midst of all the trials that we're going through as a nation, what is happening to your faith? Is your faith growing or is your faith fading? You know, so many of us have gone through so many different trials in the past several months. There's people under the sound of my voice right now that over the past few months you've lost your job. There's some of you here who have had a significant reduction in your salary. There's some of you here who have battled sickness. Some of you might even with the coronavirus. Students, we've talked about it a moment ago. You're battling different trials. Maybe school looks completely different for you. What you wanted to do in sports looks different. The way you attend school, you, you can't go to school. you got to be at home in front of a Zoom meeting. Or maybe if you do go to school, you have to go, but you, but you wear a mask and things are different. Or maybe for some of you who are in college, you went to school, then you were sent back home unexpectedly. Having to perform in a distance education format. Friends, we've all had trials of various kinds. I ask you this question. In the midst of these trials, what is happening to your faith? Is it growing? Or is it fading? Friends, I mention these examples to you today because this morning in this text, the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter to the Thessalonians, he's talking about a church who's gone through significant trials and tribulations. In fact, if you read the text, Paul talks about persecutions and afflictions that these people in this church have endured. But did you notice what Paul said about their faith? In the midst of this trial that the Thessalonians are going through, the Bible says their faith was growing. It was flourishing. You know, the world might look at that situation and say, you know, this is a time where their faith is just going to fade away. They're going through so much difficulty, they're just going to drop off. But no, Paul says the opposite is happening. Their faith isn't fading away. It's growing. It's flourishing. Friends, Let's examine this text, verses 3 and 4 of 2 Thessalonians. This is a sermon that I've entitled, A Loving and Steadfast Faith. And we're going to talk about a growing faith in the midst of trials. If you have your bulletin today, use the back of it. There's an outline of the sermon on the back of your bulletin. We're going to talk about three specific points as we talk about a loving and steadfast faith. First of all, we're going to talk about a growing faith. Secondly, an increasing love. And then thirdly, a steadfast endurance. But let's look at that first point, a growing faith. Look at the text, verse 3. The Bible says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. Friends, did you know that when God designed faith, He actually designed it as something that should grow? 
The Bible never says that your faith should stay neutral or as is, but that it should, it should flourish, it should thrive, it, it should grow. We see this most clearly in the last verse of 2 Peter when he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see it again in this text today. Their faith was growing abundantly. You know, when we think about growth, the Bible gives us many illustrations about growth. We're going to talk about two plant illustrations today of growth. The first one is from Mark chapter 4. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Do you remember the parable of the sower and the seed? We talked about it a few weeks ago. The sower goes out and tosses the seed, and the Bible says it lands on four different types of soil. The hard soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil, right? Well, let's, let's talk about the rocky soil. You remember what happened? Jesus said that the seed goes into the rocky soil, and what happened? A plant immediately shoots up, and there's this appearance of life. But what happens? The sun comes out, just like it's coming out on, on us today. And that plant immediately withers away and blows away. Why? Because it has no root. It's in rocky soil. It's not able to produce a root. It's, it's there for a moment, but when the issues of life, in this case the sun, when the sun comes out, it blows away. It has no root. And friends, if it has no root, it can't get nourished. It can't get fed. It can't grow because it has no root. It blows away. Now, we all know what growing looks like. We have all seen an infant become a toddler, become a child running around, become a, a teenager, become an adult. And we, we know what, what healthy growth looks like. We've, we've taken biology class. We know that healthy organisms grow. And we know in order to grow properly, to grow in stature, to grow in strength and capacity, you've got to have a good diet to grow. You've, you can't just eat the same thing your whole life. You've got to change your diet. You know, we've all been around infants who are drinking milk or Similac and, and they're eating baby food. Well, we know that teenagers have a completely different diet, don't they? They're not drinking the milk and, and, and eating the baby food. They're eating steak and chicken and, and bigger things, right? They're eating the meat instead of drinking the milk. But what would happen maybe if you saw an infant who was drinking milk and, and eating baby food, and maybe you didn't see this person for five years. And five years later, you came back and you saw this same uh, person, again, who was the infant, but yet five years later, this person is still drinking Similac and eating baby food and eating puffs. You would think, man, that... That's not right. This person's not getting the nourishment that he or she needs to grow. They're still acting like a, like a baby, and they're not eating the meat that they, that they need. Apply that spiritually. You know, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 3, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, you know what, spiritually, Corinthians... You should be eating the meat of the word, but unfortunately, you're still drinking the milk of the word. In other words, you're not growing in your faith like you should. 
you're not getting the spiritual nourishment that you should to grow in your faith. Why are you still drinking milk when you should be eating meat? What I'm talking about, friends, is a healthy spiritual diet. In order for our faith to grow, the Bible says that our faith needs a healthy spiritual diet, that we need to have the proper nutrients in order to grow in our faith. First of all, we've got to be rooted in our faith, unlike the shoot that came up in rocky soil. But once we're rooted in Christ, we need to be nourished and fed. Friends, I want to ask you, what things need to be part of our spiritual diet in order that our faith might grow? The first thing is this, the Scripture. In order for your faith to grow, you need Scripture in your life. I want to turn back to Psalm 1 for a minute. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. But in Psalm 1, we come now to the second picture of organic growth. Again, Mark 4 talked about the shoot that sprang up in the rocky soil. But now Psalm 1, it's going to talk about a tree. In Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man, and then jump down to verse 2, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Friends, the blessed man is the man who takes Scripture and makes it a part of his life. And he meditates on that Scripture day and night. But then look at verse 3. Because here's the picture of growth. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Do you see the picture? In Mark 4, you had a seed go into rocky soil, spring up, the sun comes out. It withers away because it has no root. But now in Psalm 1, you have something completely different. You have this tree that is well-rooted and well-grounded by the stream of water. This is a strong tree that endures and it grows and it gives life. And one of the reasons it does that, the, the Bible says this is like the man or the woman who places Scripture in his and her life as a primary focus. It's one of the main things on their diet plan as a, as a Christian. The Bible, the Word of God, it's consumed by them morning and evening, day and night. That's what they're feeding on, dear friends, the Word of God. Psalm 119 speaks of the Word of God and it says we should hide it in our hearts. It says it should be a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3 says that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, Scripture needs to be part of that healthy diet plan so that you and I grow properly in our Christian walk. But secondly, we also need something else. We need prayer. You know, the Bible is God's word. It is exactly what God wants to communicate to us. Christianity is a relationship. And when we read the scripture, we're hearing from God. But just like any relationship, there's got to be communication. The Bible says our communication back to God is prayer. 
Jesus has made a way for you and I to go to the throne room of God. And friends, he says, come through the blood of Christ. Cast your care upon God. Don't be anxious. But with thanksgiving, pray. Let your petitions be made known to the Lord. And allow the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your heart and mind. In Matthew 6, Jesus taught us how to pray. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. We've gone through that prayer in detail here at Redeemer. Read through that prayer once again, dear friends. And consider this from the book of James. We read it a few months ago. James says, we have not because we ask not. Friends, is your life full of prayer? Because prayer is part of that healthy diet for a Christian to grow in his or her faith. But third, you also need fellowship. You need to be around other believers. Proverbs 27 says, As iron sharpens iron, so will one man sharpen the other. We need to sharpen each other. Have that Christian fellowship. The book of Hebrews teaches us to exhort one another every day. To encourage and build each other up. Ephesians says that that we need to be in the business of, of building up instead of tearing down with our words. Friends, we need the fellowship of the church. You'll hear us say this all the time here at Redeemer, SSS. We encourage every member here to be dedicated to SSS. What does that mean? Sunday small groups and service. Why? Because on Sundays, you have the opportunity to come here and hear the Word of God. We have the opportunity to pray together, to sing together, the opportunity to study the Word of God together. This is going to help you grow in your faith. The second S is a small group. We encourage you to be around other believers and let iron sharpen iron. A place where you can be exhorted and encouraged to live the Christian life. We also say the last S, serve. Find a ministry within this church and serve. Whether it's children's ministry, youth ministry, one of the missions opportunities Megan has laid before us. An evangelism opportunity that that Hunter is presenting. A Bible study that that Daryl is bringing. Whatever it might be, serve the Lord. And in doing so, friends, the Holy Spirit will use the means of Scripture, prayer, and fellowship to grow you in His grace. So as we step back from this, here's the question. What's happening to your faith? Is it fading? Like that that shoot that came up in Mark 4 that was not rooted? And when the sun came out, when the trials of life come, it fades away? Or is your faith thriving? Is it growing like that tree in Psalm 1? Is it it taking in the Word of God? Is it speaking back to God in prayer? Is it putting yourself around the fellowship of the church? Friend, if your faith is fading, maybe you need to hear the gospel afresh because you're not rooted in Christ. Maybe you need to hear that Jesus died for your sins. Maybe you have just acted like a believer and never been a believer in your life. If that is you, trust Christ today. Come to faith in Jesus. But if you're a Christian here today, you might want to say, man, maybe my faith is not growing because I don't have the right diet. I'm still drinking milk. I'm not eating meat. And maybe I need to start eating the meat of God's word of prayer, of fellowship within his church. Friends, the Holy Spirit uses a healthy spiritual diet. 
to grow our faith. Point number two, the Bible talks about an increasing love. Look at the last part of verse 3 in 2 Thessalonians 1. It says, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Your love is what? Increasing. In the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, the Bible ties together faith and love. It says, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through what? Love. And just like faith should never be neutral, it should be growing. Our love for each other should never become stagnant. Rather, the Bible says it should be increasing. Friends, this is our sanctification. If you remember the wording Paul used in 1 Thessalonians, he calls it more and more. Sanctification is growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ more and more. And included in that is our love for one another. It should increase more and more. Now, what is love according to the Bible? Well, let's talk about what it's not. It's not just a fuzzy emotional feeling, but the Bible describes love as a commitment. A commitment of sacrificial service towards others. Friends, what I'd like to do right now is read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A text that I'm sure most of you have heard, have heard many times in your life. But I want to ask you right now. Hear these words afresh. Don't let them get boring or repetitive. Hear these words afresh. Listen to what the Bible describes about love. The Bible says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Friends, the total lack of self-concern in this definition is somewhat breathtaking. And friends, as we walk through this list, as we talk about each one of these attributes of love, I want you to ask yourself this question. What do these attributes of love have to do with me? In other words, which way does love point? Does it point towards yourself or does it point outward towards others? Think through this with me. Love is patient. Patience is a commitment to be long-suffering towards others. It's a commitment of your time. Love is kind. Kindness is a commitment of being tender-hearted, thoughtful towards other people. Love does not envy. Friends, that's a commitment not to be greedy for what your neighbor has. Love does not boast and is not arrogant. That's a commitment to humility as opposed to pride. Love is not rude. That is a commitment to being kind and compassionate to others. Love does not insist on its own way. 
In other words, love's not going to be selfish. It's going to defer. It's going to defer to others. Love is not irritable or resentful. That's a commitment to being temperate and even forgetful of past hurts, which is so hard to do. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Friends, that's a commitment to doing things the right way. Love bears all things. That's a commitment that your love is enduring and long-lasting towards others. Love believes all things. That's a commitment to wise and to being wise and discerning, knowing that God will make your paths straight. Love hopes all things. That's a commitment to patiently trusting in God's promises and hope and love endures all things. That means love is a commitment to persevere to the very, very end. Love is doing things for people out of compassion for them. Not doing it because we, we feel uh, that something about them is going to help us. Or that they look a certain way or they act a certain way. No, love, love overcomes all of those things. And it looks to the interest of others. Friends, I want you to think with me about how Jesus loved people. Jesus never turned away from difficult people or needy people or the outcast. Rather, he loved them. Think with me about the book of John chapter 4. And Jesus talks to the woman from Samaria. He knew that she had been married five times. He knew that the person she was living with then was not her husband. Yet what did he do? He loved her. And he transformed her life. In John chapter 5, Jesus meets the invalid, the man who had been, uh, for 38 years, who had been lame. People didn't care about this man. And this man didn't even consider Jesus to be an option for his healing. But what did Jesus do? He came up to this lame man and loved him. He completely transformed his life. Think about Judas, the one who had betrayed Jesus. Right before Judas betrayed him, Jesus got down on his hands and knees and took Judas's feet and he washed them. And he loved Judas, even in the moment before Judas would betray him. And friends, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked to his side and he saw a thief. A thief who had committed a crime. And this thief was dying. And this thief reached out to Christ, remember me. And Christ, in that moment, said to the man, yes, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus completely transformed his life. And I want you to know that Jesus has loved you and he has loved me. He's completely transformed our lives. The Bible says that God demonstrated his own love towards us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a propitiation for our sins. Therefore, if God has loved us, what ought we to do? Love one another. And we're to love one another the way Jesus teaches us to love. So my question for you now, is your faith growing as you see your love for others increasing? Jesus said, just as I have loved you, Love one another.
Friends, our final point today is what the Bible calls a steadfast endurance. Look at verse 4. Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Friends, I want to tell you something that you will not hear in many pulpits in America. God uses trials to grow us in our faith. God allows difficulty, trials, afflictions to come into our life to test our faith. Think about it. God did this to Abraham, the father of the faithful. God gave Abraham a trial. Take your son, your only son. Take him to the mountain that I show you and sacrifice him before me. Genesis 22. Peter was asked to go through a trial when he was asked to walk on water. Jesus himself went through a trial when he sweated drops of blood before he went to the cross. And friends, Jesus has taught us a servant is not greater than his master. If Jesus had trials, friends, we will have trials. Right here you see it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. These Thessalonians were going through significant trials. The Bible calls them persecutions, afflictions. You have to just turn the pages of the Bible back. Acts chapter 17, you can see exactly what those afflictions and persecutions were. But friends, I want you to know something. In the midst of these trials, we need to remember what Jesus said in John 16. Here's what he said. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome this world. And here's the point. Jesus never came to take the trouble out of life. Jesus came and said, in a world... Where you have trouble, take heart. Because Jesus has overcome the world. Do you see the difference? Jesus never came to take the trouble out of life. Jesus said, in a world where you have trouble, take heart. Trust in me, Jesus says, because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Is what he says. Friends, as you grow in your faith... God is calling us all to a steadfast endurance as you go through trials to keep on keeping on. You see the quote I put in the bulletin by Richard Phillips. He says it this way. One of the chief benefits of persecution is that it reveals the difference between true and false faith. One of the chief benefits of going through a trial, dear friends is it reveals the difference between true and false faith. Now, let's come full circle. We just talked about a shoot that came up, the sun came out, it blew away. Then we talked about a tree who's planted by the water, being nourished, that, that stands through all seasons. Think about it. When the sun came out, when it started to rain, or when it started to snow, or the wind blew This shoot over here on rocky soil that's not rooted, that's not being nourished at all. When the trials of life, when the sun comes out, this shoot blows away. It fades away. 
because it's not grounded. It can't endure the trial. But this tree over here, this tree that is rooted and grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ, this tree that is receiving scripture every single day, that is praying back to the Lord, that is surrounding himself in the context of the church, this tree is thriving, and it doesn't matter if it rains, if it snows, if the wind blows, doesn't matter. This tree is going to stand and endure. And that's what Paul is talking about, a faith that has steadfast endurance. Friend, I have a question for you. What is happening to your faith? Apply it to your life right now because the sun's out. The wind's blowing. It's going to snow. It's going to rain. The trials of life are going to keep coming at you. Where's your faith? One of the chief benefits of a trial is that it reveals the difference between true and false faith. And Paul says in this text that an enduring faith, a steadfast faith, that's something to actually boast about. You heard him say it in the text. Something worth boasting about. You know, the world will tell you, hey, church, you can boast if you've got a lot of members. You can boast if you've got a lot of ministries. You can boast if you have a big, nice building or a big budget. That's what the world will say. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, no, go find that church who is enduring trials, who is suffering persecutions, that the world is coming at them all the time. Go find that little church in China or in India, somewhere in the Middle East, and you see a faith that endures to the very end. That, God says, that's what's worth boasting about. May we be found faithful, dear friends, in the midst of trials. Friends, as we close this morning, I hope there are several things you can take away from this sermon. From this text, rather. Get the words of this pastor out of the way. See the, see the text. First of all, in the midst of the trial, again, ask yourself, what's happening to your faith? Is it growing or fading? Are you in rocky soil when the sun comes out fading away? Or are you well grounded by the stream of water? Scriptures, prayer, fellowship, part of your life, are you growing? Secondly, is your love increasing? Ponder anew and afresh, 1 Corinthians 15, or 13. Think about the willful commitment to self-sacrificially love others. And then finally, is your faith demonstrated by a steadfast endurance? Here's the amazing thing about God. Yes, He's going to allow trials to come. But I'm telling you, His Holy Spirit will walk with you through all of these trials. Just like God's Spirit walked with all the saints before us. That we need to lean upon Christ, depend upon Him. Our strength doesn't come from ourselves; it comes from God. But we need to remember, Jesus never promised to take the trouble out of life. He said in a world that is filled with trouble... Take heart, because I've overcome this world. He gave trials to Abraham, Peter, the Thessalonians. He gave it to Jesus. Friends, he'll give it to you. A servant is not greater than his master. I'll end with this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I encourage you, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Pray with me, please. Lord, this morning, I know I've gone long. Thank you for the patience of this dear congregation. But Lord, 
This is an important word today in the time where we are being um, tried and tested in so many different ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And I pray, God, that we would have a faith that is growing in the midst of trials, just like these Thessalonians. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. May we see the importance of Scripture, the importance of prayer and fellowship, the importance of increasing love and enduring faith. Oh God, let us depend upon Thee every moment of every day. We pray all these things in Your precious name, O Jesus. Amen.